welcome to the Hear It podcast. I'm your host Rebecca Roberts and each week we're going to be speaking to different guests about their take on how to engage a youth audience. I really hope you like it. Welcome to episode 19 of the Hear It podcast. Now it's also the last podcast of the season, so I just want to say a quick thank you to everyone who's come on as a guest and supported us so far, and me dabbling um, with this experiment. Uh, I'm really pleased to say that we'll be coming back in spring at some point with season two, um, and got some sponsors involved, so we'll be doing a few more things which will be really exciting. So we're still on the topic of behaviour and health messaging, and this week we're speaking to Dr Emma Ross. Here's what she had to say. Hi Emma, thanks very much for joining us today. Hi Rebecca, nice to be here. So for those people who don't know you, tell us a little bit about your career and what you're doing with the Well HQ. Originally, it feels like a former, former life. I was an academic and a researcher, so I taught at universities teaching sports physiology and sports science. And I think that's where, you know, my love of communicating science and kind of making science accessible comes from. After about 10 years of doing that, I went to the English Institute of Sport who where it's where I met you obviously and the English Institute of Sport for those who don't know is the team behind the team it's the science the scientists and the sports physicians who support the Olympic and Paralympic athletes within Team GB and I headed up the physiology team at the English Institute of Sport um, for about eight years and in the latter half of that so just after the Rio Olympics in 2016 I was asked to lead at first it was really a bit of insight work around how we support our female athletes within the high performance system and off the back of that insight work which was well we don't really do anything different from them than we do for the males it was okay could we do it better and if so how could we do it better and then can you start doing it better and so I ended up spending four years developing and leading a campaign called the Smart Her campaign which was designed to really optimize our support of the female athletes at that high performance level and it involved education educating coaches and practitioners and the athletes themselves on all of the female specific factors which might influence the health, well-being and performance of these athletes. It involved research and innovation. Whilst I was doing that, I was getting so much interest and enthusiasm and appetite and engagement from outside of this elite bubble. So, you know, my uh, remit was to work with medal-winning athletes, but just outside of that, people who were aspiring athletes and then further out, right down to women who are participating at grassroots level or school sports academies, they were, you know, contacting me and saying, well, we don't know this stuff and we'd love to know it. And do you think it's important for us? And actually, you know, the the attention grew between how much I wanted to do that more broadly and what I was able to give in that role at the EIS. So I just, well, it was meant to be just before Tokyo. Unfortunately, Tokyo got postponed, but I was meant to kind of see my team off to the Olympics and then step step out and do my own thing. So I did that um, in May of last year, 2020. And stepped out of the EIS and at first set up my own small little consultancy business to try and do that, to educate and inform everyone in all areas of sport and physical activity around, you know, what it means to be female in sport. Um, um, But at the time I was working with two other amazing women. One's a GP who specializes in women's health and one's a former GB rower who is now uh, an expert in pelvic health. And we were working together and we said, I think there's something here. We, we all have the very similar philosophy and how we want to empower women and girls with this information so that they can become kind of architects of their own health and performance. 
and we had really good knowledge between us that spanned kind of medical and practice and sports background. So we joined forces and started to develop the Well HQ, which basically is a, a digital platform. It's an online platform where you can access what we, you know, what we think are the key areas of women's health and well-being that active women need to know to better you know sort of unleash the power of their bodies if you like and all of those people who support those women need to know to help them you know fulfill their performance potential whether that's recreationally or at a podium level so we kind of want women to know more about their bodies and how that affects their you know behavior emotions um, and physicality uh, and take that to kind of go on and and fulfill their performance potential and like you've talked pretty openly because there is such a lack of research into women from high performance sport perspective but that goes beyond that I mean in terms of like wider understanding and research and like it goes down to like school level around like how we're educated how things like menopause are talked about doesn't it it's a big issue yeah it's completely pervasive in terms of this sort of gender well you know some people call it a gender data gap because there is a lack of data about you know anything to do with how women work really whether we're talking about medicine or we're talking about sport and how we train women and and um, treat women in sport you know across everywhere there's a there's a gender data gap we haven't researched women enough to be able to understand them fully but there's also just a knowledge gap so you know how much girls and women know about their bodies there was a a report in 2019 by the Royal College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists which is called Better for Women if anyone's interested but it, it basically looked at you know the state of women's health really and it looked at how much women know about their own bodies And they said at every life stage, women are woefully uneducated about what's happening in their body. And the ironic thing is, if you start educating early and girls understand what's happening with their hormones or their menstrual cycle or their breasts or whatever in puberty, they're they're much better prepared to know what's happening when they, for example, want to have babies and they're thinking about fertility or when they are going through the menopause but we're not doing it well at any level. And then the people that are working with women, whether it's women in sport or girls in PE, they don't know about this stuff either. So there's a data gap. There's also a massive knowledge gap. And so, you know, we're kind of, we're starting, I often feel we're starting a bit from ground zero. I mean, that's a bit of an exaggeration, but not much in terms of, you know, we need people to be doing the research and studying women so that we have really good information about what's actually happening with them. But we also, we we do have enough to start educating women and the people who support them better to close that knowledge gap. Yeah, and when it comes to younger audiences, that, that sort of health messaging and, and I guess behaviour change messaging that happens around sort of sexual health is so focused around safe sex, childbirth, and almost like managing hormones as if they're an issue to be managed and we when we exchanged emails about catching it we've read the same book about about the pill basically didn't we we were saying about Mm. that's so fascinating because it just really talks about hormones as almost empowering for for women and girls rather than something that should be totally minimized how is you trying to sort of tackle this like what's your part I mean, I think you've kind of got it in a nutshell there. The word hormonal has been exclusively reserved for women in the days before their period. But actually, we're all hormonal as humans. Hormones are flipping amazing and um, they help us be the amazing things that we are. Um, and we need to get that message, you know, at, at the level of girls instead of 
periods arriving being a curse or you know I remember when I started my periods I was literally calculating how many I would have until I reached the menopause I was it was from the moment they started there was this sort of negative narrative around it um and um we've got to get rid of that because a you know periods are a vital sign of health in girls and women and they are you know there are thumbs up to you as a woman to say everything's kind of working here particularly as active or sporty girls and women that you know your training load and your nutrition and your diet is all okay and helping you adapt and progress in training so having a period is like a, a brilliant thing and I know when you first get them as as a teenager that's not the first thought that goes through your mind but we do need to change the narrative because you know there's research that that shows if you if we celebrate girls going through puberty and their periods arriving and we we use it as a positive thing we have positive narrative around it those girls go on to have much healthier behaviors whether it's around sexual health or just around like their body and physical health um, later down the line and I think that conversation can extend far beyond just hormones and menstrual cycles and periods but you know girls have got developing breasts and and we know that for a lot of them for a huge amount, actually, about three quarters, that becomes a massive concern when they want to try and do exercise. Lots of them don't know about how to get the right bra, to whether a sports bra exists. We don't educate them enough about their breasts and supporting them well in sport, for example. And so just that positive message that is empowering and says, your body isn't, isn't something to fix. It's not something we have to find a solution for. It's actually something that's flipping amazing. Let me tell you about it. And let me tell you how to tap into it to get the best out of it. I think there, there could be and should be a massive reframing of that conversation. Yeah, massively. And like I've done stuff with women in sport before and, and looked at like the data that they were putting out. And, you know, we just had like the active people study in Sport England looking at, you know, that drop off point. And obviously with lockdown, there's been a significant drop, but the drop, as it always is when it comes to physical activity, is more significant for girls. So girls are dropping out typically when they get to secondary school, and that coincides with puberty and sort of physical well-being. The, the recent data out sort of links that to um, a drop. So not only they're dropping out in sport, they're, they're, they're dropping in self-worth and confidence too. So it's that, um, like you're saying, we almost need to reframe the whole message around that. And I think a key to point is that sort of primary school age when they first start talking about it. It's quite a big job to sort of tackle that messaging, isn't it? It massively is because... As, as we've said before, it's kind of pervasive throughout society. It's, it's grandmothers and mothers talking to their daughters and going, oh, God, yeah, I had heavy periods all my life for you. This is what you're going to get um, through to the education we're getting in schools. And then the narrative that's, that is around physical activity and sport and everywhere. So it is a big job. But I think, you know, we have to a we have to take on the challenge and we have to. We have to really understand, you know, the work you've done with people like women in sport has helped us understand why girls don't want to move as much. You know, they don't want to engage in physical activity. They don't want to identify as sporty. And we have to use that insight to, to kind of solve this problem, because one of the things I think is really important is the role that marketing or media or, or you know, all of all of that sort of area has in celebrating women's bodies and not celebrating a specific type of woman's body you know and we've talked a bit before you and me about this girl can and how actually that was really empowering for women in terms of seeing women of all shapes and sizes who you know looked many different ways in a pair of leggings and a crop top and it doesn't matter it's about moving your body if we we need to get that narrative down to girls because girls aspiration is very much about you know appearance and it's a, and it's around judgment and they you know they really fear judgment 
in sport in the sport and physical activity setting so we we have to do our best to try and remove that and you know we know so much more now about what girls need when it comes to engaging them with physical activity but then it's like taking that insight and and putting it in into action and I you know personally because I I'm biased because I I love the idea of using education as a tool but I think it could be a really powerful tool because you can use education to get to girls in schools or in sports clubs or in community centres you can use education to get to their teachers and have really open conversations and what we do at the well is is not just say look you know you need to be talking to girls about their periods or getting the right bra you know, you need to be talking to girls if they're having problems leaking urine. We know 40% of athletic girls leak urine. This is before they've gone on and had children and wrecked their bodies. Um, but, you know, uh, but they're not talking about it and it's a barrier to sport. We need to open up these conversations, but give the people who are supporting these girls the confidence to open up those conversations too. And that's really hard because, you know, for a lot of the lot of the discussions I've been having recently with people who are engaging in the well are 50 year old men who are in charge of, you know, a load of sports coaches or um, a load of teachers. And they and they say, oh, well, I would I would just never want to talk about this. And we have to, we have to find a way to help them. And it doesn't always have to be that 50 year old man speaking to a group of, you know, 15 year old girls. We do have to we have to raise their awareness enough of the important issues so that they it's their priority to find a way to to educate you know their staff and their girls um and that's what we did well we give people the sort of guide rails to do that we don't just say oh i'm going to teach you about periods in the menstrual cycle or around breast development or around injury in girls we say this is how you have the conversations and this is how you set boundaries around them and this is how you know you build trust so that you can have them so I think that's an important part as well not just to get the education out but to give people the skills to have what are potentially uncomfortable or embarrassing conversations at first yeah and I'll put it in the show notes but the campaign that eSport Trust run called Girls Active the stuff they are doing which I thought was really interesting was the peer-to-peer stuff and there's quite a lot of data that points particularly around behavior change but also modeling behavior and things like that and around mental health in particular that young people feel quite comfortable um, helping guiding other young people even though they're issues that they might be affected by directly um mm-hmm. And which I think is really a really interesting one, particularly for that uncovering taboos and having transparency. And I think there is a real opportunity, I think, with Gen Z and sort of Generation Alpha coming up now, who are used to um, having that transparency and open discussion that could lend itself really well to changing things. So tell us a little bit about your book, Train Like a Woman, and what, well, don't summarise it because we want people to go out and buy it. But what can we learn from that um, in terms of um, improving the narrative for youth audiences in particular? The book is fresh in my mind because I've literally just been editing it today because we're trying to get it out by the end of March. But essentially, it's um, it's part, you know, like a comprehensive guide to the female body and how and we've, we covered 12 important areas that we where we think women are underserved in terms of what they understand about their body and how it how they can use it in sport. So, you know, we talk about the menstrual cycle. We talk about what happens if you're using hormonal contraception as an active woman. Like, does it what does that matter? And you said we've, we talk about um, the pelvic floor, about breast support in sport. We talk about the psychology um, of women. Um, we talk about the mindset of women and things that can affect that. You know, there is no such thing as a male and female brain but there are certainly things about our experiences as as women that shape how we think and see the world and as girls as well we talk about 
female-centric sports nutrition. So there's some really important things about how we eat as women that are important for our hormone health, but that are just important for, you know, our bodies as female bodies. We talk about injury risk. Once you've gone through puberty, you're four and a half times more likely to get a non-contact ACL injury as a woman than you are as a man. And we know that most of the risk factors are modifiable, which means you can change them, you can prevent them, but we don't prioritise it enough in sport. The book covers training and performing across the lifespan. So are you an active teenager? Are you an active pregnant person? Are you returning from having babies? Are you going through the menopause and how you can stay active and healthy through those times? And then kind of top and tailing the book is, is our manifesto almost about sport as a system and where women fit into it and how we want to see change so how we want to see sport as a place where women feel like they belong and can be who they truly are rather than having to change who they are to belong which is what we've often had to do in sport which is kind of fit into a man system you know sport and probably physical activity exercise even is kind of um, a system that's been built by men for men and that's that's how it was that's fine that you know no blame or resentment just we just need to change it it's just not fit for purpose so topping and tailing this kind of guide to how to use your body as a female or how to support someone who's a female using their body is this sort of manifesto about the culture of sport and how we can make a change and within that book is also as I said this kind of what is the framework or the guide you know we call them guide rails that you need as someone trying to make a change so we're not just throwing information at you but we're us trying to empower you to go out tomorrow and have a better conversation or you know inspire a, a woman differently or, or be a girl who does something different tomorrow i honestly will be looking forward to reading that and as i'm sure lots of the people who are involved particularly in public health will hopefully get in touch with you so two final questions to wrap it up are there any campaigns or brands that you think do a particularly good job um, engaging youth audiences um, I mean, you've mentioned um, women in sport and we've talked about Youth Sport Trust and and those type of organisations, I think, are really giving us brilliant insight into into girls and what they need in sport. You know, in terms of brands, I probably haven't probably don't have too much advice there we do have some brands for example like uh, the limitless bra is is developed is has been made for developing breasts and so we do have things like that which we recommend for for teenage youth but i just think you know closing this gender data gap is really important and there are you know you probably work with rebecca some of the organizations which are helping us do that because the more insight we get the better we can educate in the right way because we know what what we need to do as well as train like a woman um, what other books or podcasts uh, do you recommend us checking out I mean there isn't really a book like train like a woman because the reason we wrote the book was because when we did our talks and people said oh where can we find out more it's like oh I'm not really sure there's a book that, that captures all of this but it just depends we've got we've certainly got lots of um some books that we recommend in terms of if you've you know if you're working around um, period and menstrual cycles and getting girls to really understand that there's a, a lovely book called period power by Maisie Hill and she's actually just released perimenopause power and so if you're someone who wants to understand women's and their biology and how then you can tap into that those books by Maisie Hill are really good if you're more interested in kind of active um, girls and females there's a podcast called the female athlete pod which is kind of geared a bit towards higher performance level girls but it just covers all of these topics that we've that I've you know mentioned are in the book and it gets athletes on and coaches on to talk about their real life experiences of those brilliant well thank you very much and um, I hopefully catch you again soon thanks Rebecca take care 
that's it for this week's episode. I've put lots of links to the research and books that Emma and I discuss in the show notes. Uh, please do like, share and subscribe to the podcast and I look forward to catching up with you in season two.